0: Welcome to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to The Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. And we're going to do some straight talk about are you really seeking the Kingdom of God or not? Uh, a lot of people don't like the fact that sometimes I say things like, um, you're not really a Christian if you're not doing what Christ said, but that's a question that's come up a number of times that said, you know, what is a real Christian? And that, that's a legitimate question. What is a real Christian? Christian? Of course, there's a lot of people who said they have uh, accepted Jesus in their heart as their personal Savior, but what Jesus I mean, uh, how how do we know if you accepted the real genius, uh, Jesus? A lot of people project what they think Jesus and who they think Jesus was. And they don't think about it very deeply. They just imagine they know who he was and they believe in him. And they might, to some degree or another. But the reality is, is that... Uh, We uh, much of what we know about Jesus is constructed by what we learn. We literally create an idol called Jesus in our minds. And then we worship that idol in our minds, that imaginary Jesus. Now, there is a real Jesus. He was the Christ, the anointed. He sent us a Holy Spirit. Which is around long before, I mean even Moses brought men to the, 120 men to the, was it, no, 70 men to the temple to, uh, um, receive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has been around for a long time. It's not a, it's not something that was just invented by Jesus Christ. But he gave us a, a glimpse of the kingdom. And uh, what the kingdom is like. And this relationship that we can have with God through His Holy Spirit. And a lot of people imagine that they have that relationship. And they may have some of it. But do they have the whole thing? Because it's very clear that Christ warns us. Peter warns us. Paul warns us. That... uh, that we can be deceived and that uh, a lot of people will be deceived and have been deceived. Many uh, would be deceived and we were warned of that over and over again by, by Christ and by the apostles and that we're supposed to, you know, try to make sure, you know, take heed that no man deceive you. And so this morning show, we did two hours and we talked about that concept of being deceived and, and what the church really is. The church uh is uh, a society established in the general sense is a society established by Jesus Christ. Now, in a specific sense, the church is the body of Christ and the church is the ministers that Jesus appointed and put extra requirements on those ministers they are the bride of Christ. They are the body of Christ. Now, a lot of people say, no, we're all part of the bride of Christ. We're all and they they like to think that. But that's very clearly not the case, because if that were the case, who's the wedding guests? <laughs> it's a metaphor. The the bride of Christ is a servant of Christ and, and Christ puts in them certain understanding, certain sometimes power that is allowed to pass through them, that doesn't go through the average guy. It doesn't make them better. It's just part of the, you know, he who is highest amongst you, according to Christ, is servant to all. It allows them to be of servants. If they stop being of servants, God will withhold that power and that understanding. Uh, a famous uh, pastor, uh, Chuck Baldwin, uh, he's on the radio sh- station just before us. And... uh and he said there is no such thing as Christian anarchism, according to somebody who was monitoring the show before I went on. I'm not listening to the show before me. I, I hear a little bit of the news sometimes before I go on air, but I don't listen to the show before uh, I go on air. And that happens to be Chuck Baldwin. But uh, Chuck was saying that there there is no such thing as uh, Christian anarchism. That, that it doesn't exist. And, and, and I understand why he would say that. Uh, one reason is he doesn't understand anarchism. <laughs> anarchism, uh, anarchism, it means, uh, no archate, no authority over you. Now, everybody has some authority. You have authority over you, but you just don't have authority over me. Cain had authority over Cain, and Abel had authority over Abel, but, Cain didn't have any authority over Abel. And of course, we're not supposed to give anybody authority over us. Because if we uh, were to do that, that we, we, we'd probably do that by contract, which is forbidden by the Ten Commandments. And uh, so we don't want to be giving anybody authority over us. And we would, you know, like if we applied for benefits, what? could have been for our welfare might become a snare. And of course, the Bible tells us that what should have been for your welfare has become a snare. And of course, that's how they got into bondage in Egypt. They went and had to eat at the table of the Pharaoh. They were out of money and out of things to trade. And so they went to eat at the table of Pharaoh and they went into bondage. One fifth of everything that they produced now belonged to the Pharaoh and they had to pay it to the Pharaoh or get out of town. But that that debt put them into bondage, and it got worse and worse as time went on. Well, that's pretty much the way everybody is in every country today. They're in debt, up to their ears. They're, in, they're members of the social welfare system through the government. So what should have been for their welfare, welfare has become a snare. So now they're in debt because all every government around the world is operating in the red there were a few that were operating in the black, but they've been taken over. And then, you know, like East Timor, first thing they did is take it over and set up a Federal Reserve. First thing they did in Afghanistan was set up a Federal Reserve. First thing they did in Panama, set up a Federal Reserve. That, that's what they do. They go into these places and set up, and see, like Iran hasn't really got a Federal Reserve yet, uh, but they're probably working on it. But anyway, so... These people are all under an authority because of the fact that they applied to men who exercised authority over their neighbor to get benefits from those men. And so as they judge, so shall they be judged. And so they went into bondage. Now, everybody's done that. United States citizens aren't free. They're in bondage. They're in debt. When you hear them raising the debt ceiling, that's a debt ceiling on you. Somebody somebody on Facebook was just saying that... uh, the federal government wants to turn Social Security payments into a federal benefit program, and that's not right. That's our money. No, it's not your money. <laughs> you know where do you get this stuff? You Nowhere in the God's green earth is that money that you paid in your money. It's not your money. It's paid in. It's gone already. The And people worry about the Social Security system is still solvent. It's been bankrupt since it was started. It's never been solvent, except in your imagination. The reason it was started is the United States government was bankrupt and it needed more assets. And say they asked you to volunteer and they they promised to give you benefits if you signed up and became an asset of the United States federal government and you all went and did it. Because your preachers were all asleep, they—they they, there were some going around at the time. At the Catholic Church opposed Social Security, and then uh, a priest from the Catholic Church, uh Jesuit priest, as a matter of fact, met with. And this is a matter of record. It's in the book written by the guy who wrote the Social Security. And, System, You know, who devised the whole system. He says in his book that that priest met with Eleanor Roosevelt in New York. And when the meeting was over, the Catholic Church withdrew its objection to the Social Security Act. And now the building was already built to house the Social Security Administration in Washington, D.C. But right after that, things changed. They never occupied that building. Instead, they went to Baltimore, Maryland, actually in Maryland, where they, uh, they built a new building. Never used the building that was actually built for this. They built a whole new building and it was now that administration was there in Maryland. Just a coincidence? Just a bizarre coincidence? Uh, did you know that there's a section in Baltimore, Maryland? that has its own constitution and that if you're being followed by the police and they're about to give you a ticket if you pull into that area and you can't even tell where it is i mean there's no real demarcation there isn't a few places there's signs but when you enter that presto bingo they won't follow you in there to give you a ticket they will not give a ticket in that area (laughs) i know guys who have done that but anyway that's another whole story another whole mystery You don't know what's going on most of the time. And if you're watching the news, you're completely in the dark. (laughs) So anyway, but anarchy means without archy, without a ruler over you. It doesn't mean that you don't have any uh, authority. It just means you don't have any authority over your neighbor in an anarchy. And you don't have any authority over subjects. You have authority over yourself. You have authority over your children and your family. But that's as far as it goes. That's that's an anarchy. You don't have that authority. Now, how would such a government work? Well, Israel was an anarchy. The Levites had no authority over anybody else. And the only way you could be tried is if you violated somebody else's natural rights. Then they could grab you and they could try you. But they're not making laws. They had a law about uh balconies. Uh, that if you have a balcony, you needed to put a rail around it so it would be safe if people go up there. But if you didn't build a balcony, nobody could find you. Cause the, that was an anarchy. But if you invited somebody up there and then they leaned on the rail and it just fell off, that's considered creating a trap that you're held responsible for what you did. You created an unsafe situation. You dig a pit along the side of a trail and you don't fence it off. Somebody falls in the pit. You can be held responsible because you've created a hazardous situation. That's not. That's still an anarchy. It's just common sense. We have a right to defend ourselves against your stupidity. But that's still an anarchy. If you look up in the Bible for the word authority, you just type in do it, do google search in King James Bible let's keep it down to the King James Bible you go go in there and do a, a search in there and you won't find the word authority anywhere except two places in the Old Testament you you'll see authority in Esther uh, wrote with all authority to confirm this uh, second letter it says and uh that that word there is actually also translated power and strength. But uh, if you look in, uh, let's see, Proverbs, you find another word that's translated authority. And it actually is translated normally multiply, increase, much, many. You know, I mean, over a hundred times these other words. But, you know, once, it's a translated authority. So, other than those two places, you're not going to, and that's in Proverbs, uh, when the righteous are in authority. In other words, uh, multiply, increase, when they're the increase, when they're the greater, when they're the larger. When the righteous are in the larger, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And that word rule there is mashal. Uh, which is normally translated rule or ruler or reign or dominion or governor. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's composed of, uh, mem, shem, uh, lamad. And so, uh, lamad is the hand. It's in power. It, you know, it's the power of the hand. Mem is the flow of that power through your hand. So, anyway, that's that's the only place you find the words authority in the in the Old Testament in the New Testament we find it all the way in matthew seven twenty for he taught them as one having and not uh, authority and not as uh, the scribes so he actually that this is the way Jesus was he seemed to have this authority. the word there that they have that you see translated authority is exousia. And it actually means power. Normally it's translated power. 69 times it is translated power. Only 29 times it's translated authority. But it means, and this is the definition. I'll read it right out of uh, concordance uh, like theirs. Power of choice. Liberty of doing as one pleases. That's the authority. So you have that in an anarchy. You have the power of choice. Because there is no ruler to rule over you. You have the power of choice. Now, if you infringe upon your neighbor's rights, he has the power to protect his rights. And he can go get the rest of society and say, this guy's infringing upon my rights. He's digging pits in my backyard and my sheep are falling in it and getting hurt. And uh, I got to get him to stop digging those pits. (laughs) So, because it's the pits. So, you know, that's still an anarchy. And justice is going to prevail if the people attend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. And they're supposed to. According to Christ, that was very important. He condemned the Pharisees because they were not attending to the weightier matters. And your modern churches are really, con- should be condemned too because they're not attending to the weightier matters. Well, this, this pastor, Who's Chuck Baldwin, by the way? And if anybody... If Chuck wants to debate this, I'll I'll go on and debate with him. Uh, I'll have my guest on the program. I've had his son on the program before. Uh, but the, he just doesn't get it. He, he's a pretty smart guy and a pretty decent guy. But he doesn't get the kingdom of God at hand. And so, anyway... So he's saying according to the report that I got uh, there is no such thing as Christian anarchy absolutely there is Christian anarchy He says uh but biblical authority and men in scriptural authority over others uh, and of course uh responsible voting You know there was voting in Rome You you voted in your senate I mean, everybody had a right to vote who was a citizen in Rome. And most people were citizens in Rome. Paul was not a citizen of Rome. Paul was Romeos. He was in possession of his rights. He didn't have rights to the the free bread of Rome. Because the free bread of Rome are for people who were queerists, not Romeos. They were the citizens of Rome. Uh, They had the right to the free bread. Christians didn't want the right to the free bread of Rome because they would be taking from men who exercise authority. That would be a covetous practice to desire benefits forced from your neighbor by men who exercise authority. Christ forbid that. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he forbid that. And, And really, he forbid it also in John. Because John says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And one of those commandments is, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. And it's certainly not love to ask your government to go to your neighbor's house and force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. That's not love. That's covetous. And Peter says, through covetous practices, you would become merchandise, which is back to that snare thing, which should have been for your welfare will become a snare. See, if... if uh if Chuck Baldwin has a Social Security number and he's collecting Social Security, he's in bondage. The taxes he owes on his labor, that one-fifth or whatever it was, is probably more than one-fifth because he probably made a pretty good salary over the years. So he probably owed more than one-fifth of his wages to the government. That's the bondage of Egypt. And that, I'm not picking on a guy because he's in the bondage of Egypt. His, his folks were in the bondage of Egypt. He He's not that old. So, I mean, his folks went and got a social security number, which means I would like to eat at the table of Caesar, Pharaoh, uh FDR, whoever it is. I want to eat at their table if I have need. And he says, okay, then sign here. And you sign and you make a covenant with him that you will pay in Back in those days I think it started out like about one and a half percent the individual had to pay. Another one and a half percent the employer was to pay, that's three percent altogether, not very much. But it's the camel's nose in the tent. It's not insurance, it was sold as if insurance. We we have whole books on the subject, uh that quote the book <laughs> written by the guy who devised the system. So if you think that money in there is yours you're delusional. And evidently, it's a strong delusion. If you think Social Security is not already bankrupt, uh, you're delusional. Because Social Security has always been bankrupt. Because from the beginning, the Supreme Court ruled, and if you read the document, if you read the Social Security Act, there is no division of funds. The funds go into the general revenue. You can write it down on a piece of paper and say, well, oh, this much money went in. But the reality is, is all the obligations of the United States trump the money that's in Social Security because it owes more than is in there. So there is no solvency. It It is bankrupt. And it's not your money. It's to pay the debt of the United States. Most of the money you pay in an income tax just goes to pay in the interest. You're in bondage. You're in the bondage of Egypt. And you're not in a Christian government. That's another thing Chuck Baldwin thinks that the Constitutional was a Christian document. And all those men who wrote it up were Christians. Now, I think that they were pretty decent men. Far higher caliber men than you would find today in politics. Certainly got Chuck Schumer put to shame. And a lot of other people like that. But the reality is that it's not a Christian document. In order to be a Christian document, it have to be you know, consistent with the principles of the Bible, and it is not. The, the Bible actually has the details about five things that you're supposed to write down. If you want to have a government that exercises authority, and evidently Chuck Baldwin wants to have a government that exercises authority, you have to put five elements into your Constitution. Write them down according to the Bible. And you have to read them to your leader every day of those five things, only one of them is in the Constitution. If Chuck wants to debate this i'll I'd be glad to have him on the show and debate that and discuss it if you don't want to debate i mean i'd be I'd be glad to discuss it with him. You know he has a standing invitation he can come on any time, but no the the constitution and as a matter of fact if many of the people in America were Christians at the time that the Constitution was written up, what do you think their opinion of the Constitution was? Because most of the people in America would have voted it down had it been put to a vote of the people. Because see, we the people doesn't refer to the people in the states. It refers to we the people of the United States. And we the people of the United States, the first list, Was all those names at the bottom of the document that that expanded when men were elected senators and congressmen because they became the people of the United States, and then later on with uh, the passage of the Fourteenth Amendment, the average individual in the states could become a member of the United States, and then he would. But when he became a citizen of the United States, he became a resident in the individual states because see even after the writing of the Constitution. Now, here's, I'll make a statement. And you're going to think it's not true. But even after the activation of the Constitution of the United States by uh, a process of ratification, I won't say it was legally ratified, because it was not legally ratified. But it is ratified now. But it wasn't legally ratified, and it was implemented. And I can prove that, beyond a shadow of a doubt. No question about it. But at that time that it became, uh, in effect, the Constitution of the United States, the states were still as foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada. That's a well understood principle in the law. The Supreme Court justices, even some of the bad ones, understand that. Now, they're not foreign to each other now. As a matter of fact, they're, they're, they aren't even so, there. There is no sovereign state of Texas; It doesn't exist. I mean, there was the hope of it at one time with some people, but it doesn't exist. You, the, it is a living document, and things have changed. Most of the people were against the Constitution. Most of the Christians were against the Constitution for the very thing that's happened. They feared the centralization of power. It was not a biblical document because of the five things the Bible requires you to write down and read to your leader every day. Only one of them is in the Bible. So that, you know, what is that? Eighty percent of what God says should be in a constitution is not there. And 20 and percent is there. And it's ignored. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so it's not. And if anybody has an argument with that, we have a whole book free online. I know Chuck Baldwin has a book on Romans 13, but it's not free online. Uh all, all our books are free online. You can go read them. And they got hundreds of footnotes in them. So you can check this out. See if we're just making this out. It's completely rational. But anyway, so Christian anarchy. Israel was an anarchy. It was a republic, but it was an anarchy. There was no king in Israel. For hundreds of years, there was no king. There was no forced taxes. There was no legislative body that was making law. They had a Sanhedrin, but it wasn't a legislative body. It was a group that was chosen by Moses from the elders and probably Levites of the community. And they were to receive the Holy Spirit and go out and spread that Spirit amongst the people, but that's not an exercising authority. They're not they're not making new laws. That didn't come along till so- Queen Salome. Now, it was very interesting to discover that uh, at the time of Jesus Christ, before he assumed his ministry, there was a famous a uh, scene who was a part of the Sanhedrin, manahan and, and he had predicted that the Messiah was going to come. He actually predicted it to Herod, that Herod would become king and the Messiah would come in his reign. And Herod had no chance of becoming king by any stretch of the imagination at that time. So he was kind of a prophet when he said this. He says, but when you become king, you need to give a third of your kingdom to the Messiah. But instead, when he heard that the king was born, he wanted to have him killed. So he he went back on that. But then eventually he died and Jesus came up. And Jesus was hailed as the king when he came into Jerusalem. Accepted by the people as the king. Thousands of uh, people, of uh, citizens of Judea, Judea, ended up accepting Jesus Christ as the rightful king. To even call him Christ is calling him king. So. Anyway, scripturally speaking, uh, Jesus said that you were to not be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. So if you're not to be that way, what are you doing voting (laughs) and trying to elect Someone who is going to exercise authority one over the other, and certainly why are you doing that in order to obtain benefits at the expense of your neighbor? Now I know a lot of good people who vote, and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not objecting. I, I think a lot of people I know that are good, that do vote, I mean they're pretty good people. They're voting in self-defense. They're not trying to make America great. If you want to make America great, start becoming a Christian. Not, not this half uh, watered down Christianity that you find in most of these churches. The early church took care of 99% of all the social welfare that could not be provided by the families themselves. And that's why they that's what religion was. Religion was how you took care of the needy of your society when the family broke down, widows and orphans. And they could have gone to the free bread of Rome, they could have gone to the free bread that was offered by the Pharisees, they could have gone to all but they had to sign up for those free breads. And when they sign up, they become a surety for the debt. And they become dependent upon that central treasury. And, and of course that system is the system of Corbin that made the word of God to none effect. Now I don't know where Chuck Baldwin stands on Corbin, but it's very simple. Corbin means sacrifice. And if you're paying into social security, that's your sacrifice. If, if you're paying into income tax, that's your sacrifice. And you may be obligated to pay that. That's your tally of bricks. That's what you have to pay in. And if you owe oh, Caesar, you certainly should pay Caesar. But if you're seeking the kingdom, you should be seeking, how do I gather together with other people so that I don't have to go to the men who exercise authority, who are taking away from my neighbor and borrowing money, cursing my children. That was the other thing, that covetous practice of Corbin, desiring benefits at the expense of your neighbor. Not only makes you merchandise, uh makes you collateral for the debt, surety for the debt, we call it, which they talk about in the New Testament. But it also curses your children with debt. Again, every time they raise that debt ceiling, you're probably not going to pay it back. Your children are going to have to. And the, what Christ's solution was, was that you had to start loving your neighbor as yourself. You had to sit down in the tens, fifties, hundreds and thousands and, uh, gather together and take care of one another. Provide for one another. And not pray To the fathers of the earth, again, I said this this morning, I've said it a million times, Chuck Baldwin can listen to it. The fathers of the earth were the senators of Rome and 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 Sanhedrin and many of these other. Because all such governments are based on the law of the father. And the Roman senators were called Patri Cicero, Patri Seneca. And in the Greek text, you see the Latin word called no man patri. Everybody in the crowd knew exactly who he was talking about. You're not to be pay- praying to the emperor of Rome for your benefits, for your free bread, for because he was known as the Patronus, our father who art in Rome. If, if you're applying to the government for social welfare, and Social Security is social welfare, if you're applying to them for those benefits, you're applying to the fathers of the earth. You're praying to the fathers of the earth. Now, I understand you have to do that or you might starve. Uh, You're in bondage and and I'm not objecting to you doing it if that's what you need to do. But the reason you need to do that is you have not been seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as far as I've seen, Chuck Baldwin is not organizing his church like Christ commanded. Maybe he is. I don't know. Uh, I'd I'd love to hear that he was. Does he he have the men of the households in his congregation? Are they gathering in the tens, the symposia, the companies? Are they sitting down in those companies every week and coming together to sit down in that to serve one another? And by serving one another to become the social welfare of a free society under Christ. And then they'll pick a minister and that minister will gather with 10 other ministers in until they have ranks of 5,000 or whatever. And they will start taking care of their social welfare more and more and more. And less and less and less dependent upon the the government of the world. Because you're supposed to be taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society unspotted by the world. And the word world there means constitutional order or system of government. That's Chuck Baldwin's people depend upon that government to take care of their needs. They're not practicing pure religion. And I'm not usually that hard on somebody. And like I say, I have a great deal of respect for Chuck Baldwin. But he needs to hear this. And I hope somebody will send him this show. He needs to hear that you're not supposed to be depending upon any constitutional government to take care of the needy of your society. You're supposed to be doing it all. And the early church did it 100%. Christians did not go get free bread from Caesar. Because he's one of those fathers of the earth who exercise authority one over the other. Who makes the corbin, the sacrifice of the people, to no effect. Because it's not based on free will offerings and the perfect law of liberty. It's a pretty clear picture. Now, if you think that Christ came to start a church and you got something to do on Sunday, forget it. Christ came to set you free. You need to turn around and go the other way. So, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll take a little break and, uh, we'll be right back. I've actually gone over my, uh, a lot of time. <laughs> we'll, we'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, so, what authority do, do we have? We have the authority to choose for ourselves. We do not have the authority to choose for other people. We might for our children. Uh, you know, like it's time to go to bed. Why well, choose not to go to bed? Well, guess what? You're going to go to bed. I guess <laughs> you're under my authority. And if if you work for me, if you live in my household, I may have authority over you. But uh, I don't have a. I don't. I don't have any slaves, so I'm not going to imprison you. Everything you do here would be voluntary. <laughs> but uh, if you're going to eat at the table, you're going to maybe do the dishes or whatever. I get to exercise authority if you eat at my table. And if you eat at the table of the government, they have authority over you too. And uh But Christ didn't want us to be like the governments of the Gentiles. I mean, here's a guy who comes along and he's preaching... The gospel of the kingdom, that's what they call it. He's saying that it's at hand, that it's for the living, and that it's hard to enter into. And many uh, shall seek it, uh, but uh, may not find it because the way is narrow. And he warns us that we might be deceived, and that there's a strong delusion, and that you would be made merchandise. And of course, uh, Chuck Baldwin is merchandise. And so is most of the other people in the United States. You're collateral for the debt. You're surety for the debt of the governments that you have looked to for benefits, even though you knew that they were providing those benefits by either taking away from your neighbor now or borrowing against your children and the neighbor's children for the future. And they've been doing that for a hundred years right in front of you, and there is no question about it. You have gone away from the ways of God, the ways of Christ, and the ways of the prophet, and followed after the error of Nicolaitans and Balaam. And that's where you're at. And I can't do anything about it. That's just the way you've chosen to go. But now I can tell you what you've done. Now, you may not want to hear that. And I can tell you the way back. You want God to... See, God told you that if you go and want to have a leader who can exercise authority, Samuel 8, you want, want to go elect a leader who can exercise authority one over the other? That's because you've already rejected God. Now, you don't want to think that you rejected God. You don't think you've accepted God, but you have you not accepting Christ as your king. People say, oh, well, I do, unless the government asks me to do something that is against the commandments. Or against God. Well, coveting your neighbor's goods is against God. <laughs> Looking to men who exercise authority to take away from your neighbors and your unborn children uh, so that you can have benefits today is against God. The corbin of the Pharisees is against God. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's making the word of God to none effect. What part of making the word of God to none effect don't you get? Israel operated entirely every year for years and years and centuries based on free will offerings. Your church doesn't operate on free will offerings. Oh, I mean, it, it operates, but it doesn't practice pure religion. Because pure religion would mean you were taking care of all the social welfare needs of all the widows and orphans and needy in your society. It may not be a widow and orphan. You could be a family who just fell on hard times. They're not widows or orphans. But they they need help temporarily or some help. You know, I just heard about a guy the other day who's he was renting a place, but he had a nice place for a good, uh, a reasonable amount of money, and he had to move out because he wasn't paying his rent. You know why? He, he has a good job. Why wasn't he paying his rent? Because he's giving money to his church. Because he, he his church said you give and and you'll prosper, and so he gave and he didn't prosper. You know, he actually was making a good living, but he wasn't he wasn't getting ahead. So you guess what? Instead of saving his money, <laughs> he gave more to the church. Thinking, what, are you going to win the lottery? Until he lost his home. Now he's living in a little place uh, that had had moved to that was cheaper, but not nearly as good. His family had to all cram into there, and he was late for work. And, because he wasn't paying his rent. He wasn't paying his rent because he was giving all the money to the church. And it's the Jehovah Witnesses. Gosh sakes. You thought you could do better than that. Don't want to pick on the Jehovah Witnesses, but they haven't got it figured out. But there there's 40,000 denominations and most of them haven't got it figured out. And, you know, usually I don't talk about ministers by name, but I care about Chuck Baldwin because he's seen a lot of stuff that other guys haven't seen. But you can go right down. I mean, that word authority, exousia, you know, Mark uh, one twenty two. You know, most of the time, when you're talking about exousia, and I was just looking at where it was, you know, it's actually translated liberty in the Bible. It means the power of choice. The only reason the government has the right to rule over you is because you've been slothful in the ways of God. And because you're, you're, what should have been for your welfare, what you, you sat and ate at the table of kings and gone under the authority. As a matter of fact, you all have one purse. You don't, you don't have any real money. You don't have just weights and measures. You have Federal Reserve notes and credit entries and everything. I mean, you're so far away from the kingdom, it make, it should make your head spin. And you're going to elect a president who's going to make a difference? No, you have to repent and start thinking a different way, which is what repenting means, and start realizing that you have to take care of one another. God said, because the people, He said, give them the king. You want to have president? You want to have king? You want to have a prime minister? Go ahead. You can have it. But I want to let you know, this is what it says in Samuel 8, He's going to take and 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 take. And, take and, take. and eventually, He's going to take so much, you're going to cry out. And I'm not going to even hear you. That's what God says. I'm not going to hear you. Because you you wouldn't hear him. You rejected him. That's why you got a president, prime minister and kings and rulers over you. Because you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You, You want to think you've got it figured out. You don't. If you did, things wouldn't be as messy as they have to say. You wouldn't be so far away from doing what the early church was doing. Which was taking, I mean, they could, all those Christians could have gone and signed. As a matter of fact, they would die many times. Rather than sign up for the social welfare of Rome. What they called the uh, Roman imperial court, cult. Why do they call it a cult? Because once you sign up, you can't get out. You know, that's that's the whole thing about cult. We call them cults today because they want to bind you in. And usually they depend upon emotionally binding you in. You know, and dependent upon them and afraid to question their authority, etc., etc. Well, the imperial cult of War, Rome, it bound you in by contract. And all the people of Judea that was following the same way set up by Herod, the Corbin of Herod, and the Pharisees, were bound. They couldn't just leave the system, just like in Egypt. They couldn't just leave. But Jesus made it so they could. See, so He said, He started out, He told them, I'm going to take the kingdom, the government, away from the Pharisees who were sitting in the seat of Moses. I'm going to take it away from them, and I'm going to appoint it to ones who will bear fruit. He told them right out that he was going to do that. And and of course, by saying that, he's telling them that they're not bearing fruit. And of course, he tells us later, one of the reasons they weren't bearing fruit is the Corban that they had was making the word of God to none effect. Why was it making the word of God to none effect? Because a lot of people were no, doing no more ought for their parents because they were paying into the Corban. And they says, well, my parents should not come to me now they should go to the temple and the temple will take care of them. And of course, the blind man's parents were afraid to profess Jesus because they would be cut out of the synagogue and therefore they would lose their social security. And so th- they wanted to go a different way. <laughs> they, we, we don't have the courage to go without social security. You know, so we're not going to profess Christ, but others did. By the thousands, professed Christ, and they opted out of that system. They were no longer surety for the debt of Judea. They could come and go as they wanted. As a matter of fact, they had to go. When Judea fell, when Jerusalem fell, uh, they had to leave. And, and they could leave. They had to leave everything they had behind. But they had a network that reached all the way across the Roman Empire and beyond the the christian network reached all the way to ireland before paul ever even got to rome it was amazing how fast it spread god really is sharp i mean that he is smart <laughs> unfortunately a lot of people professing christ don't get the basic fundamentals they don't, they don't understand and but see when jesus was preaching they were astonished at his doctrine For he taught them as one that had authority. Exousia. See, most of the time you see the word exousia, authority, it's in reference to Jesus Christ's authority. Why? Because he was the king. He had the right to rule over us, just like Moses had the right to rule over us. He was both high priest and king. But guess what? He didn't want to rule over us. He wanted to rule in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so, therefore, he appointed ministers of his church and told them they were not to be like the ministers of the Gentiles, the government of the Gentiles, the princes of the Gentiles. Because he was appointing the apostles to be the princes of the kingdom, but not like those princes, if I say princes or government personnel or whatever you want to call them, you're going to think of somebody who exercises authority. Well, they don't exercise authority. They have authority, but they don't exercise authority one over the other. They have authority. Peter had authority. He could appoint men to do jobs, but not, But they operated by the perfect law of liberty through faith, hope, and charity. And that's what the church should be. The church should be the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. That's what the Bible was written to tell you how to do. It wasn't saying... That, as a side note, while you go and elect other rulers to rule over you now again, I don't care if you vote; you can go ahead and vote uh, yeah, although there are certain limitations to even that, but because I said, most people are voting in self defense and you as long as they won't let you leave the system that's that's what you probably have a right to do. I'm leaving those choices to you. To figure out, but if you don't figure out that seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness includes the practice of pure religion, taking care of all the social welfare of the people of your congregation through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty, while you may still have to pay your tally of bricks because you are in the bondage of Egypt, then so be it. And you can progress in that direction at whatever rate you feel your heart can stand and your pocketbook can stand. But we don't want any central treasuries. Christ warned against that. So right away, you know, like people can't believe that, like somebody wanted to donate stuff to to my ministry here. Now I say no, join one of the congregations and donate it to the congregation. Well, I'm cutting my throat. I'm not getting donations coming to me. They're going to the the local congregations. It may trickle up to me eventually. <laughs> but I'm I'm trying to get you to do what the early church did. I'm not trying to build a big church and get a big building plan and have a pension and Medicare, Medicaid and you know whatever, you know, health insurance program. I don't have any of those things. Uh, and, and you you are my social security. The Lord is. And, and I only want him to work through you, through your hearts and your minds. I don't want him to, I don't, I don't want to lay guilt trips on you like the Catholic Church or the Jews often do. The reality is I want you to do what Christ commanded the apostles to make the people do. And that was to sit down in companies. Symposia is the Greek, which is like congregations. The the whole body of symposia, all the companies, sitting down in ranks of 50 and ranks of 100, that's the congregation of the people. The individual congregations, really we should call them companies. But we also call them, because this is a term we see translated in the Old Testament, free assemblies. They're not corporate units. They're just free assemblies. They're not even unincorporated associations. They're just free assemblies. And you have the right to freely assemble. You have the right to take care of one another. And the reality is right now it's tax deductible if you do it properly to the church. You know, if you want to help out the needy, you can lower your taxes by giving that money away to help out the needy. And then you can hope that they'll help out you if you have a need. And but you will still have to pay your tally of breaks, but if you don't start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you will not be ready to come out of her my people when the time comes to do so. And and you wouldn't know what to do. You would be what Jesus calls the foolish virgins. Well, actually there's several analogies that he makes, but you're you're not you're you're wasting your oil. <laughs> you're not, you're not doing the program. That first century church took care of all the social welfare for Christians. They did not go to the government. They did not elect a new senator or congressman who would elect, you know, most people don't realize it, but the emperors of Rome, uh, were elected by an electoral college of the Senate. Uh, that's how they got into power. Now those lines blurred as times goes on, and they're kind of blurring now. <laughs> but that's how they had to take an oath of office. And like I, I've said many times, there were three offices. And since Chuck might get it, listen to this; he should know it. One was Imperator, which means commander in chief. Collins Latin Dictionary he did, translates into commander in chief because he was the head of the army and and the navy. Now the beast, the image of the beast can do something that the beast couldn't do. He can make fire come down from heaven in the sight of man. Because he's the commander-in-chief of the army and the navy and the air force. And evidently now, he's even the commander-in-chief of the space force. (laughs) So, you know, history is repeating itself. The United States is Rome. It's exactly like Rome. Uh, there were two other offices he had, which one is Principas Civitas, which is the president of Rome, a municipality, and the power of that, and that office varied over the years. And the third office was Apotheos. He was the appointer of gods. He appointed gods throughout the empire. Who were the gods? They were the imperial judges. Who po- appoints federal judges throughout the United States? The president of the United States. It's the same job. No, the answer is not to elect the Caesar of your choice. You can certainly go and try to do that. uh, But because it's a free country, right? (laughs) So, But that isn't the gospel. The gospel is an alternative system, an alternative way, a different way. Where the government becomes superfluous. And it operates with no one exercising authority. Now, if somebody gives me funds personally, I have absolutely 100% right on choosing how to use those funds. No strings attached. And if I don't do well with them, then next time don't give to me. If you give to one of the other ministers, he has 100% Right, to decide how to use them. If he doesn't do a good job, then don't give to him again. If we see him not doing a good job, we will go to him and say, we don't think this was well spent. So what are you doing with it? Uh. So anyway, the process is, this is the process of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness to to create this organization that is... Not an organ. You're the organ. But it's an institution of free assemblies in a network of tens, fifties, hundreds, thousands, ten thousands that actually learn to care about one another, have an intimate knowledge of everybody that they share with. That minister of ten, he gathers with nine other ministers like himself, and he ties to them and the minister they pick. And that minister picks... Ten others like himself. And this re- this pattern repeats. This is the way the early church was organized. Uh, they didn't go to church to feel good or to hear a good sermon or to be stimulated with a pep talk. They went to church to be of service one to another in the practice of pure religion and to attend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith this is this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is how we're supposed to be doing it. we have to get our head out of the church entity and get our head into what Christ was really talking about and you cannot you cannot serve god and and Mammon and the Mammon that's another whole topic. We've got lots of articles on that, lots of audios on that had uh, to explain that Social Security uh is part of the unrighteous famine. Welfare, part of the unrighteous famine. Entrusted wealth. You all have one purse. It's not the way to go. Repent. Seek the kingdom of God. But anyway, if Chuck ever wants to come on, uh get him a hold of us and we'll have him on as a guest. Until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless.